welcome everybody to episode 183 of the MetaBeavers 2 podcast featuring myself, Ben. And I am David. And what are we talking about today? Um, we are going to talk about why wasn't there a unit spin-off featuring all of our unit pals solving yeah. crimes, solving space-based crimes. It seemed like it'd be the natural spin-off, much more so than like K9 and company. And yeah. I mean, there's a wider issue, like why there weren't spin-offs from Who at all, basically. Was there, in in the general British TV landscape, was there many spin-offs in the 70s? Spin-offs? Well, yeah. I mean, I think one immediate one that comes to mind is like Department S and Jason King, hmm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where the breakout character from Department S was Jason King, right. so then they gave him his own series. Was that on ITV, though? Yeah, that was ITV. I mean, I think the BBC in general didn't do some you know i don't know i'm just i'm making this up didn't do spin-offs in general as far as i'm aware because i would i would suspect because that would fall into the the terrible accusation that they were always keen to try and avoid in the 60s 70s 80s is repeats um where the bbc were always supposed to be making new stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a spin-off might be seen as like being lazy and not not coming up with new ideas. Right. Um, I mean, they made sequels. Um, I mean, the only one I can really remember actually right now is Porridge with Ronnie Barker, hmm. um, and who was like a the sitcom was set in a prison basically, which is hilarious. A great show. Um, and then of course the character Fletcher that Ronnie Barker plays then gets let out of prison because he served his time. And then there was a spin-off from that called Going Straight, where basically, you know, the sitcom is he's an ex-con and, you know, has to try and make his way in the world. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Likely Lads, I suppose, and then whatever happened to the Likely Lads. So I think maybe maybe more with sitcoms. But now with dramas. Not so much with dramas. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, again, you know, you kind of spin off in things that are like other things rather than things that are... A spin-off of something, if you see what I mean. So, in the 1970s British television landscape, was there something that was equivalent to, like, a unit? I, I, I guess, what would be a unit spin-off? What would you envision a unit spin-off to be like? Well, I mean, again, I'll reference the aforementioned Department S, which was solving, solving, solving mysterious crimes. Um, there was Doomwatch. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, I think, Kip Hedler and Jerry Davis, which was solving ecologically based space crimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was UFO, which was Jerry Anderson uh, joint involving uh, live action, right? But a lot of great model work. There's a secret, secret international organization that is charged with combating, you know, an invasion from Mars. Mm-hmm. So there's that one. Those are some of the ones that spring to mind right now, kind of unit style. Yeah, so we would have types of stories where we'd be the repelling the invasion, and then we'd have more domestic stuff like, say, within the Green Death, where it's boss or some scheme to take over the world. That's kind right. of kind of a home homegrown Earth based threat. Yeah, and then maybe there's not enough story material, perhaps, for that. You know, that kind of genre drama, they didn't really do much of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of space drama. The BBC, I mean, I think even into the 70s, um, I mean, I think, 
ITV and you know ITC and you know there's some of those independent kind of Jerry Anderson style, Lou Grade ish production companies that kind of cornered the market in space at you know futuristic space. Mm-hmm. Adventure. Um, BBC in the seventies was still a lot more kind of kitchen sink. They did a lot of variety shows, right. a lot of sitcoms, and then lots of serious drama. I mean, I think one of the things the BBC was there was a golden age. I think in the seventies of play for today. What was the slot of you know actual serious drama? Right. So you know, real dramatists writing real plays about things. Mm-hmm. Again, I think you know the nearest that. That slot got to kind of who shenanigans would be the stuff, the kind of material that Nigel Neal right. was writing. The Quatermass guy, who obviously you know famously hated Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but did he love Unit? <laughs> no, no, I don't think he would have done actually. I mean, he was quite reactionary. Mm. I think was Nigel, and also didn't really like things that didn't appear to him to be kind of real. I mean, he was very kind of grounded in his um, science fiction investigations. So no, and I, I, he wouldn't. I don't don't think he would have liked the the kind of military component mm. either. Right, and the military is really baked into the concept of unit, yeah. which got its start on the heels of the Web of Fear, which introduced Colonel Lethbridge Stewart, and then yeah. in the 1968 serial, The Invasion, he was promoted to Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, and that was the dry run effectively for mm-hmm. the 1970s unit, and it was pretty cool setting they i think the doctor first reunites with the brigadier on a cargo plane I, you would know what kind of plane it was right yeah it's a hercules c-130 <laughs> is what it is yeah so it has a higher production value i think than some of the later unit stories so you have the the uh Hercules, you have uh, choppers in there when they're... Better choppers. Yeah, surveilling international electromatics, uh, pretty big gun battle scene at the end fighting the Cybermen. So that was seen as the, can we do this to make Doctor Who work for season seven? Yeah, and I think actually, I mean, we're talking sort of spin-offs. In some ways, Unit was a was a was a kind of an internal spin-off within Doctor Who. I mean, I think there was a desire to see what have you just said? Okay, can we make this kind of earthbound mm-hmm. series work with kind of a military strong military element? And I think the success of uh, Nicholas Courtney in Web of Fear, um right. I think again, thought, okay, well maybe we could spin off this internally into something and of course that that sort of then develops into maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, develops into the third doctor's Exile to Earth, which again you could see almost as a Doctor Who spin-off of some kind. Yeah, so definitely a format change. We have Douglas Camfield to thank for casting Nick Courtney in Web of Fear and then remembering his excellence for the invasion. So I think that the director, if memory serves, really kind of made that connection, or the production team. Because uh, to have a character come back like that, then they'd have to be paying royalties to Lincoln and Hazeman. Yeah, which I think became an issue with those two, didn't it? Yeah, they had, they certainly had a falling out, and that's how we got the uh, <laughs> stellar. Instead of the third Yeti story, we got the Dominators. So. <laughs> well, then again, I mean, I think everybody, I mean, again, I don't know this. I'm just kind of extrapolating. You know, people were looking at, like, how Terry Nation was kind of basically coining it with the Daleks. Right. And everyone's going, well, hang on, we just invented the Yeti. 
Like, right. why aren't we getting scads of money? Right. So, I mean, it's fair, fair enough, basically. And, uh, you know, for all his faults, I think Terry Nation was a reasonably good business person, or at least was, was a well-advised writer, um, mm-hmm. and managed to sew up the Daleks in a way that meant he got a lot of money from it. And I think possibly everyone else was going like, hang on, you know, maybe we should be getting some, some of this sweet Doctor Who money, not realizing that money wasn't actually really that much available. I have kicking around in the back of my mind that his agent was uh, Moffat's wife's mother, his mother-in-law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sue, Sue, Sue Virtue. Yeah, Virtue. Virtue. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Wheels within wheels. Yeah. So obviously spinning off right after the invasion went made no sense because they were spinning off already for season seven. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all about the doctor working for unit. In a way that was famously more adult in inverted commas than who had been under Troughton, though I think you mm-hmm. can argue that backwards and forwards a little bit, but certainly the stories are a lot longer. And stylistically, it just feels more dramatic, I guess. Perhaps not for Spearhead from Space, but with the Silurians, the stakes are higher with the yep. with the invasion from underground, I guess, with the Silurians or Ambassadors of Death. It, it deals with earthbound politics more than the ambassadors themselves. The ambassadors are hostages, effectively, and they're being yeah. manipulated by earth politics. So you have a whole... I think a whole different type of feel to the yeah. stories that you would have coming from the invasion. Yes, exactly. And I think, uh, again, famously, I can't remember what the circumstances. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the you've got, you got three stories, you know, like the aliens are here already. The aliens are coming. Mac Hulk. Um, yeah. Or we are the aliens. I can't remember what all those three are. Which, again, you know, I think I think they kind of ran through those pretty comprehensively in season seven. Um, right. And then turned around and went like, hmm, now what? And then, you know, you get Dix and, and Let's coming in going, okay, mm-hmm. we can do this. We can do this differently. We can do shorter stories. Right. Let's get a Moriarty in. Let's get a villain in. And season eight is basically where they invented the unit family formula. It was less of a family. We had Benton and uh, the Brigadier. But by putting Joe in there and Mike Yates, it became more an ensemble cast rather than the doctor as a standalone and unit as a standalone. Yeah. And I think again, also season seven unit was very much a military organization. I think that was the feeling one got, you know, these were soldiers Mm -hmm. with a, with a hierarchy and a structure of rank and a job to do with guns and jeeps. um, And, you know, I guess Hercules C-130 transport airplanes. And, you know, this was something to do with the army um, as soon right. as you get into season eight, and uh, you know, again, I've, I've, I'm just making this up. I've no idea whether this is true. I've always sort of got the impression that maybe Let's and probably actually Let's more than Dix was looking at something like Star Trek, where you know you have a team of people in a quasi-military mm. setting, but it isn't really a military setting at all. They are people who like each other and get on. And kind of work together in order to foil various menaces from space. Mm-hmm. And the whole unit family thing, you know, which again is, I guess, is kind of a fandom cliche, but it is nonetheless true. You know, these are people who the kind of rank structure of the army doesn't really, it starts to be less and less relevant. Basically, it became almost cartoony with the introduction of the master. If you have 
uh, very more serious dramas, I think, in season seven. Even even the invasion, I think, is has a more serious element to it. But then by the time you get to Terror of the Autons, yeah. it's more... I guess even by the way they debuted it on the cover of the Radio Times, it's just more cartoony. It's more colorful. Basically, Delgado is a mustache-twirling villain. And it changes the focus from the alien menace to dealing with the master. And I think at that point in the unit series sequence, it wouldn't be sustainable because I guess you could have spun off at the end of Inferno or at the beginning of like Terror of the Autons sometime in season eight where they're focused in on repelling the alien menace or the domestic menace. But when their focus seemed to switch, I guess, to... Uh, dealing with the master, keeping the master in prison, arresting the master, you know, thwarting the master. And that doesn't work as a standalone series at all. No, no. And I think, again, as a standalone series, I mean, I think this is the problem that a lot of Who spinoffs have have had. And obviously we've had several in kind of recent years, Torchwood Mm -hmm. and Class, is the how do you deal with the ongoing, uh, with the thing that you span off from especially if the thing that you span off from is so uh, flex, not flexible, is so uh, kind of all-encompassing like Doctor Who. So, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this was what Torchwood started to run into and I didn't, I haven't watched class, so I have no idea. I have no idea how they dealt with it. <laughs> oh, and, and Sarah Jane Adventures, of course, um, is okay. What do we do with the Doctor? Because um, basically mm-hmm. when anything bad happens, the Doctor turns up and he, and he or her fixes it. So... You know, obviously, I think I think a lot of people would agree that one of the most uh, effective and sort of chilling Torchwood dramas is Children of Earth. Right. But the question is, like, well, why the hell didn't the Doctor just turn up and like deal with those mm-hmm. nasty aliens and everyone's and everyone's fine? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the you know that's the issue basically. Yeah. Um, Star Trek does its spin-offs by just moving backwards and forwards in time, as far as I can gather. And I'm not a big Star Trek watcher because Star Trek is set in a you know the universe per se right they can have something like deep space nine which is okay this is somewhere else in the universe within the same context and but when i said backwards and forwards right. in time you have prequels and sequels or retellings even um, i think they've done or just yeah retelling yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. as i said i mean i think i think in my in my opinion you know the spin-off from 60s doctor who in 1970s, in the early 1970s, was early 1970s Doctor Who. Which would make sense why you went spin-off unit then, because that was what Doctor Who was all about. And you couldn't, you couldn't, what would you have left then? Yeah, it would basically spun off into its own show. And I think this goes back to the culture of the BBC. I think one of the reasons to have those early 70s unit stories to be set on Earth is to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't endlessly having to build a new alien planet every right. week or go to a different quarry and, you know, film a mm-hmm. d- different alien quarry-based planet. Again, you know, if you said, okay, well, Unit is the Earthbound show and then Doctor Who will just continue in space, then it's like, okay, right. we haven't saved any money at all there. And again, I think what, one of the things one always has to think about is the BBC is not supposed to make money. And certainly up until the Burt reforms of the kind of late 80s, or I think mid to late 80s reforms in inverted commas, mm-hmm. the BBC was deliberately not making money. It's not its charter, because right? Because that's not what it was about. So 
Some you don't you don't look okay. This is a successful show. It's making us a lot of money. Let's make a spin off right. of that show, and that will make us a similar mm-hmm. amount of money. That wasn't part of the calculation for the BBC. Um, and, and I think, as I said at the very beginning, you know, they would actually get criticised for doing something that was too similar to something else because what they were supposed to do is always do things that were new. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you springboard off the idea that you had or that you suggested that you would have Doctor Who be the space stories and Unit be the Earthbound series, if you went on that, I think you'd have a really good launching point sometime between the Demons and Day of the Daleks, where the Master has been arrested or captured, and you could conceivably start moving the Doctor into more space-bound stories being uh, manipulated by the Time Lords to go do this errand like we see in the mutants and and, right. and bit where you see more stories that are like the Curse of Peladon, the mutants, Carnival Monsters, Frontier in Space, Planet of the Daleks, those types of stories, but all at the behest of the Time Lords. So you could, if you were interested, you could split that uh, storytelling stream into the Earthbound stories, which you have unit and maybe have a guest appearance of by Pertwee in there early on to kind of get it running, but then they would be dealing with keeping the master in prison, dealing with the invasions while the doctor is out gallivanting, being run as an agent by the Time Lords. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I always come back to the practicality of this. I mean, that was never going to happen. But yes, I mean, if hmm. you want to think about, oh, okay, how could that have happened? you know, effectively, dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could see no substantive objection to that. So who would be, so of the, of the, of the, of the kind of unit spin-off show, who's the hero? It'd have to be Lethbridge Stewart, I would think. I mean, he would be the star. Right, right. But again, I mean, I think then you fall into difficulties with the kind of rank structure of the British Army. Like, is a brigadier the person who goes around, like, solving crimes? Probably hmm. not. A brigadier is, as his name might imply, um, is in charge of, of a brigade. I guess um, brigade leader <laughs> is a brigade leader. Right. So his job is to tell other people to go out and solve crimes. He's more administrative. Yeah, it's an administrative. Yeah. I mean, again, I know relatively little about <laughs> you know how the British Army functions, but certainly right. some things I've been told is the a brigadier is one of those ranks where you tend to get stuck on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did, <laughs> uh, and he did. You know, for, for you know, he forever really doesn't really get promoted to general particularly mm-hmm. soon because it's it's an administrative rank mm-hmm. that they need quite a lot of. And if you want to kind of move out from brigadier to major general, then you become something that's quite rare, um, or you needs to be rare. Um, so yeah, so again, I mean, who do you pick to be the hero? Um, Bill Filer. You do have Bill Filer, as you pointed out. <laughs> yeah, well, you, with spinoffs, you would perhaps introduce new characters. I'm not sure that Mike Yates would have been that charismatic of a lead. But if you look back in season seven, you had Paul Darrow playing a unit yeah. Number two, I can't remember. Was it in the Silurians? It's in Silurians. Yeah, what is he? He's Captain someone, isn't he? He was Captain Hawkins. Captain Hawkins. So obviously, Paul Darrow has the chops. I mean, in the, sorry, I'm interrupting. I mean, but in the same way that you know, as much as we love him, um, you know, Mike Yates doesn't really have the yeah. acting chops. Richard, 
to Richard be Franklin has never been as, yeah, as convincing. But you could, ha- I could see someone bring back like Paul Darrow as yeah. C- Captain Hawkins to be the go-to man, the number two. You'd have the Brigadier kind of being like Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. And then you have uh, Paul Darrow as Captain Hawkins going out and leading the assault assault teams or investigation teams. You'd still have uh, uh, John Levine and Benton in there, but he's, again, doesn't have the acting chops that like a Darrow has. Yeah, yeah. I still think you should... I'm just trying to think of other kind of military-based entertainment shows. There aren't that many of them. Mm -hmm. I think, again, because of the structure of the military is really not investigating crimes. It's like uh, there's a crime over there, shoot it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of like American shows like JAG or something where there are crimes to be solved within the military. So you have like, or like police shows like, I don't know, mm-hmm. Line of Duty in Britain, you know, which is about a police unit that basically solves police corruption within the police. Right. So I think you'd have to establish a kind of non hierarchical subsection of the army whose job it was to do i mean almost like the x-files you know where don't don't the x-file people what are they called Mulder and scully they work for the fbi don't they right so again i mean that's department of justice yeah that's not military yeah i know but i mean it's a still a kind of hierarchical organization Mm -hmm. so you'd have to like have like a little subsection whose job it was to go around solving crimes particularly alien crimes and then they would have to butt heads against their the stupid chief um who's trying to you've got 48 hours to solve the crime which i guess would be the brigadier again and then i well i think you would add a whole level of politics a political level the brigadier would be going to geneva he would have to be dealing with the british military because he's the kind of liaison between them you would see a lot of things like with the clause of access where you're where where the actual British military is pushing up against unit, trying to take charge. So they could, they, he would, there could be an evil Frenchman in in Geneva. You definitely could be. Yeah, <laughs> but you you would have you would have that level of story. That'd be like the B plot. You'd have the A plot where you'd have the menace that the the crime or the the investigation of the company or whatever. But then you'd have the whole B plot where it's all political right. and. At the end, basically, this never happened because people are too powerful. It'd be more, I, I can imagine it going more into a paranoid level of world government or the UN really is corrupt or something. You would you would extend extend the drama so you'd want Nick Courtney in there more than just giving orders and putting pressure on it. You would have what struggles he would be having in bureaucracy effectively right trying to get money to you know the french why has to be has to be the french money or <laughs> figure out why so and so uh bouvier or whoever the frenchman or whoever Simons. is uh, manipulating the scenes to prevent his you know captain hawkins discovering what's going on you know it's sort of like it, you have those different levels that you'd have like an invasion of the dinosaur where you have corruption at the highest level yeah 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 so yes i mean i yeah again i mean i think invasion of the dinosaurs is actually a good whereas you as again you point out the you know the real villain is not the dinosaurs because you know <laughs> how could dinosaurs be villains the real villains is corruption within the 
within the within the British not corruption within the British establishment, but you know, misplaced idealism within the British establishment. But again, I mean, I think then you start to, I mean, you know, I, maybe I'm I, I'd be I'm I'm overcomplicating this because I'm not a writer. Um, wouldn't you start to be like, well, okay, what are we actually going to do? See what I mean? I mean, I think the stories don't write themselves as well as a Doctor Who style story would write itself. Mm. Mm. So I think the problem, like you said, is week to week. What is the storyline you're going to go? Yeah. You'd have to come up with, is the earth under threat enough from internal and external forces at a level that is significant enough that unit would have to be involved, but the doctor wouldn't be necessary. It's not something that you need the doctor for. So it couldn't ever get to the level of children of the earth. No, I mean, I think you'd have to have, I mean, I think you'd have to have season arcs, hmm. which I think is, I mean, again, people say, oh, there weren't season arcs before people invented them. Well, I think there were, I mean, because I mean, obviously the master is a season arc. Yeah. And it's a particularly basic one. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good one, but it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty obvious one. Or you could look at something like survivors where, you know, the arc of survivors is everyone's dead. And then each week we have to solve a different problem to do with the fact that everyone's dead. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think definitely there would have to be something. And I think, you know, a kind of ambassadors of death, invasion of the dinosaurs style, weird internal corruption thing within the kind of British or the UN establishment, though. I guess if they really went full bore into kind of, I don't know, lizard aliens have taken over the UN, the UN might disagree. Yeah, would you tie it into the common market somehow? Would you make the Union, European Union, proto-European Union be the antagonist? Or would that have been too political for the BBC in the 70s? That might have been a little political, actually. Um, although, again, I mean, you know, as I said, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, the BBC nowadays is so kind of insanely... Um, is insanely the right word? But, you know, frightened about upsetting politics that it really kind of doesn't engage in kind of politics at all i think maybe it was slightly braver in the 1970s but then i don't know whether the eu was a left-wing or right-wing project in the 70s it was supported by uh, thatcher so it must have been yeah and all but you know i think we we were taken into the eu by labor so you know who, who who knows really but yeah that could work you wouldn't want to do an extended forever show like Doctor Who. It would be like a three series, and by series, you'd probably have six episodes in each series at most. So at most 18 stories you'd want to tell, and you would want to plot it out over a series of three years, building to that climactic story at the end, which would pretty much make it... Uh, you'd want unit to have to be dissolved or something that would be catastrophic enough that you would then have the doctor come back in and have to save the day. Something that would shut it down or maybe it'd be like a self-sacrifice, what they had in mind for the brigadier in Battlefield where he would go out guns blazing. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm also, hang on, I'm also now thinking about, because I mean, Big Finish have done several well, I mean, the whole all all big finishes is spin-offs, really, in some ways. <laughs> um, but they've done several unit spin-offs. There was the one in the early two thousands, 
which I think I, I still have all the discs for, which, again, didn't really work hugely well. And there's a new one that they've been doing. And then they've got the um, Remembrance of the Daleks group spin-off one. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the one that I'm thinking about is the Unit Unbound series where they have that one that's set in the late 1970s with when the Doctor wasn't around. Mm-hmm. So Unit basically had to deal with things like the Silurian and... They had to deal with all those invasions themselves without the Doctor. Right. And it didn't go very well, basically, because they ended up having to blow everything up or shoot everybody, um, which mm-hmm. had, you know, didn't have the kind of successful closure that the Doctor can often bring to a problem. If you had done this unit series, how grounded in reality would you make it? Would you give unit like a laser gun like they had in Robot, or would it just be bullets and the brigadier lamenting that all alien menaces are immune to bullets and that bit what would i have done or what would actually have happened i think what actually would have happened like most kind of genre drama from the bbc at that particular time they would have made it up as they went along so if you know they needed a laser gun to defeat or not actually defeat um mistakenly try to defeat a giant robot by making even more giant by mistake give them a special laser gun I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would keep it to my brief to the writers as the showrunner of this show was to keep it as as grounded in reality as possible. Right. So if you need a laser gun to get out of a problem, then that's the wrong problem. Or a wrong solution. Well, but basically, if you if you painted yourself into a corner plot wise where the only way to get out of that plot is a laser gun, then that's the wrong plot. You shouldn't be writing those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. You should be writing the kind of stories where the unit team can get themselves out by being clever and MacGyvering together things. I don't know. By being smart. By art smarting the alien menace. Mm -hmm. Another wrinkle on this that might be interesting is the whole Cold War setting. And this being in the 70s is right in the heart of the Cold War. And unit is supposed to be United Nations. How would you incorporate in the Russians, the Soviets? Would you have... a Soviet counter to United States Bill Filer. Oh, you mean like a you like like a Men from Uncle style show? Like well, an Ilya Kuryakin you... comes in? Oh, I don't <laughs> know if it'll be like that, but given the budget that you would have all parts of the home counties standing in for all parts of planet. <laughs> the world. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of a Russian investigator on secondment from i don't know the kgb or moscow something. yeah well yeah it'd have to um be. who you know is obviously ooh, he's russian therefore he's bad but actually he's not bad he's he'd be like the ice warrior yeah he's just in, pretending uh, to be bad. yeah and then <laughs> you'd have the you have the opportunity to cast a british character actor who could do an outrageous russian accent yeah. all the time well you have already uh, the outrageous french accents so why not go for russian exactly you've already got inspector dreyfus mm-hmm. in geneva who's you know trying to foil our heroes by cutting right. their budget then you have the mysterious russian on secondment is he good is he evil uh, and then you have like hilarious communist versus capitalist mistakes mm-hmm. that are made um that would work yeah I'd, I'd buy that so that's another element you could certainly imagine things happening in siberia or stuff that the soviets wouldn't want anyone to know about but then they're alien not prison camps so they have that type of conflict but then you'd also have uh chinese you'd have everyone into this and so you could have a pretty diverse cast you'd have african representatives of unit uh, you could do a lot with it if you 
could somehow expand the stories to a global nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be difficult because, as you pointed out, you know, you'd have to use the home counties, which you know, if you were, I don't know, investigating, you know, an alien menace that has suddenly arrived in the jungles of Equatorial Guinea. You're going to have to dress up a bit of Surrey to look like West African jungle, <laughs> um, which is perfectly doable. I've just watched a very enjoyable, what, enjoyable the right word, um, interesting movie called The Camp on Blood Island, which is a Hammer movie from 1958 about a Japanese prisoner of war camp and how horrible that was. And that was basically set in a field outside Bray, I would have thought. Um, and they just stuck some palm trees around. And it looked pretty convincing. It is black and white. So I think the more you get into colour, the harder it is to dress jungles up effectively. And of course, yeah. as we know, you know, the Doctor Who doesn't really do jungles that well. Um, well, they did in the 70s, but they were sci-fi jungles, like uh, Planet of the Evil. Sci-fi, exactly. Yeah, um, sci-fi jungles. Um, of which you really, I mean, the, the, the only really good one is the Planet of Evil, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, well, we have the Creature from the Pit jungle is also pretty good, and that's more of a green That is, that's more of a jungle. Yeah, it, green cathedral. It really isn't until the 80s do we lose our ability, or the BBC lose their ability to make jungles. <laughs> lose their ability to make jungles. Um, yeah, with Kinder, which is the world's worst yes. jungle of all. It's the smooth-floored jungle. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Now I'm thinking about the Avengers as well, which again, you know, uh, the, I mean, the way the, the reason why the Avengers works is because they don't, they're not taking it seriously. So, you know, every mm -hmm. threat is in the home counties, which they kind of make a feature of, if you see what I mean. Right. So they kind of, they lean into the, the, for the filming restrictions, uh, whether, you know, the unit spin-off could lean into that as effectively as the Avengers could do. Mm, not entirely sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would do comedy very well no. with no with unit. No. It's I think if you start taking the piss out of the unit series, then you'd have nothing. It, it's just it's not really that funny. You have moments of mirth, but you don't have nonstop. But it, it's not a, a nudge and a wink type of drama. No, and I think we've already made. I mean, in, you know, in the many many podcasts we've done i think uh, we've i think you and i both agree that as soon as doctor who stops stops taking itself seriously then the whole thing collapses pretty mm -hmm. quickly doctor who has a high level of everyone's got to buy into this and as soon as people start looking at the camera and ad-libbing i'm talking about you tom baker you know or you hire a comedy writer as a script editor i'm looking at you douglas adams um <laughs> the whole thing starts not to work very well in my humble opinion. Yeah. It becomes a different show than what we're thinking for the unit years. Yes, exactly. Unit files. What would you what would you call it? Unit files? Unit Something... files. I'd call it uh I don't know what I call it actually. The unit unit yeah, why not? The unit files. The men of unit. The men of unit <laughs> and women. Um the men and women of unit. The unit files. Unit files. Unit files. Or just unit. I mean, you know, really kind of rip off UFO. Yeah, that would be yeah, good. Unit. And you could uh, imagine the title sequence. You'd have a... Absolute unit. Ron Grainer prisoner type of style, but instead of lightning cracks, you'd maybe have machine gun fire or something. And... Yeah. I think you'd have the unit logo be spinning at some point. Yeah. Spinning into view. Yeah. Yeah. And then then each each character would, like an American introduction, would be like, 
turn and like smile at the camera and then it would be a freeze frame and then the actor's name would be underneath i like it yeah yeah <laughs> and special guest star at the end of each credit sequence mike yates new love interest after- every 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 week <laughs> every mike gets a new dolly bird uh, <laughs> uh yeah so d- if if this was to spin off i think definitely probably sometime season eight season nine i think by the time you get into the tom baker years or even after the green death with joe leaving unit is pretty much on its last gasp there with invasion of the dinosaur and then the kind of the mike yates arc which actually uh, i mean having invasion and planet of spiders having been mean about richard franklin that is actually a really i find it was it was a really successful arc it really kind of plays into mike yates being kind of a wet you know, not very suitable to being a soldier, soldier. Um, mm-hmm. I think that works excellently over, you know, Green Death, Invasion of Dinosaurs and the Planet of the Spiders. I think that works mm-hmm. pretty well for me. I mean, maybe that again would show that, you know, maybe that could happen. That could be the arc for the for the Russian character, you know, the, the Russian mm-hmm. on secondment from the Russian unit thing um, would, I don't know. Huh. Well, that could have been at the end of Robot, where the Doctor takes off. That could have been the takeoff then for Unit 2. Yeah. Again, uh, I don't know if uh, you'd get Paul Darrow at that point in 74. I guess that's only, what, three years, four years since the Silurians? So that it's not within the realm of impossibility. And Blake 7 didn't come around till 78. So he might be early enough in his career that he was still more of a jobbing actor yeah, rather than a yeah. leading man. And... Well, I think this is the problem with Unit, wasn't it? You know, that's why we didn't get the Brigadier in The Seeds of Doom because Nicholas Courtney was taking other jobs because what he right. was discovering is that people weren't hiring him because everybody thought he was in Doctor Who all the time. Right. And I think I think the same was true. I think uh, maybe I'm confusing it with Roger Delgado. I think I had relatively had the same had the sort of same complaint that everybody thought he was in Doctor Who so they wouldn't hire him to do other jobs. Hmm. So I think, you know, you have to have that core team and you also have to have people who are... I mean, I think one of the challenges always for British TV in the 60s and 70s was theatre, where people... where, where most actors saw that the way that they made money was being in a successful rep theatre production, which would run for three or four months, right. um, rather than doing a one-off TV show, which they got paid for as a, you know, they got a single check from the BBC and then they were done. Mm-hmm. Which I think, I'm again, I'm thinking about Star Trek. Well, you know, I very much doubt that, you know, that Captain Kirk was going off and doing King Lear. Um, <laughs> Hamlet. Shatner's Hamlet. Hamlet. Shatner's Hamlet. <laughs> to be or not to be. That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is there too is a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die. To sleep. A chance to dream. Aye, then. 
is the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come. Um, I mean, pretty much the only thing William Shatner could do was play Captain Kirk, um, which mm. is why he played Captain Kirk for most of his life. Mm. Um, T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker. There is T.J. Hooker. Never let us forget T.J. Hooker. Never. Yeah, yeah. Never. So I guess it could work after Mike Yates, but it's uh, it's a different kind of unit. I think it would tell a different type of story if you uh, started out unit after robot than unit after the demons. Yeah. Maybe you have an a- maybe as well as a Russian, you have an alien as well. Maybe in the, maybe a, an alien would be like I, I I know the best kind of alien, an alien that could read people's minds, a mind reading. The last alien, alien that unit faced was the Daleks, right? Day of the Daleks, because not an alien time monster. I guess gel guards or the gel guards in Three gel Doctors, guards. but yeah. other than that, they. I mean, um, I guess do you classify Time Warrior as a unit story. I guess it begins with unit. It begins with unit. Well, here's the thing: you could get how you could have a gel guard could be the sidekick um and they could uh, because they're made of gel or gel as i like to call it um they could change their shape they could be like a chameleon like chameleon in the 80s well if you're going to do a chameleon why not do an axon oh yeah yeah but axons are evil but gel guards are like they're kind of neutral they'll do what you ask them to do Mm. sort of thing they're friendlier than axons hmm I think you'd introduce this alien uh, outside of Doctor Who because I'm not sure you have had a, a true alien. I mean, I don't know if a Silurian would work week to week. No, no, you couldn't. That I mean, the poor person who had to pay a weekly Silurian. Um, plus, they'd be they'd be hopeless at being in disguise. Um, <laughs> so it would have to be a humanoid alien, and they would have to be psychic or a shapeshifter, like you said, or a shapeshifter, and they'd have to have the power to read people's minds because that's the most useful alien power to have, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they effectively gave Spock with the mind meld. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd have to have a Spock, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm, then I'm thinking about Star Trek, and we're thinking it's a military setup. There's the person in charge. There's the alien who can read people's minds. There's the complaining one, and then there's everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then you have uh. you have comedy relief, like in form of Benton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benton could bumble in and like you know trip over something and then bumble out again. Then for your guest stars, you'd have like in the Bill Filer, or you'd have in the Russian. Yeah. Uh, that would be your guest star in a leading type role, or the, your guest villain on a weekly basis. But then um, would ultimately be the final epic thing be internal or external? Would you do uh, an, an internal enemy, uh, earthbound enemy, or would you make it the, the final climactic unit scene invasion? No, I would do an earthbound enemy. I would have them discover that, I don't know, the, the royal family of lizards from space. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. The royal family being infiltrated by draconians. And that's the thing that we have to solve. Hmm. That's what I would do. How about you? What would you do? (laughs) Putting you on the spot there. I think I would have it also internal, perhaps internal working with aliens. But then the final, final would be this grand international type conspiracy yeah uh i i don't think i would involve the royal family i no, you probably you probably couldn't involve the royal family actually certainly not in the 70s i think i would do something similar to petrochemical 
toxic, more of an environmental thing. I think Barry Letts had the right idea of green death, yep. that I would make it more of a global type thing where there's significant amount of money involved. And then you'd end on a question whether or not unit was successful. Unit's been disbanded. This organization seems like it's been stopped, but then perhaps you see a leaky pipe or something with some green thing dripping out and that yeah. that pool big business. That pools in a yeah, corporations, big business. Uh big business. Th- that pools in a question mark at the end, like the slime or something that just kind of forms you know very literally asks the question at the end, is it the end? Can this ever be defeated and whether it's a communist system because they've had chernobyl or if it's a you know capitalist systems where you have uh, massive pollutions in uh, niger or uh, the amazon for oil just wherever it is is evil ever defeated or does greed always win that might be where i would go with it right i think the mirror that the unit series might want to hold up is we've met the enemy, the enemies ourselves. We either have to change or we're going to die as a species. Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a writer, so I don't know how to make no, that we aren't, dramatic. Are we? But... It's, it's painfully <laughs> obvious that we're not writers. But yeah, I mean, that, that works. That works. I think, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that for a while. For a while? For yeah. 18 episodes? That's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd commission you initial run of six episodes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Have to end on a cliffhanger. Have to <laughs> ending on bring a you back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I could imagine that you you would want to, uh, assuming Roger Delgado had survived, I would have him reappearing as a master occasionally, and perhaps as a twist, you'd have the master be help out. Ah, yeah, that Jack and Apes. Yeah, he would help out. And then you'd have uh, Pertwee come in once or twice and uh, Tom Baker and he'd wrap it up. Yeah, job done. Excellent. Yep. Uh, a, a country has been entertained. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm. You could have Liz Sladen come in. Yeah, you could have Ian Martyr be the lead. Well, Ian Martyr, you know, there was the, the famous Ian Martyr target spinoff, Harry Sullivan's War. You yeah. know, I mean, he's, he's capable of investigating things. Yeah. Yeah. The man from the ministry. The man from the ministry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so... Well, very good. I think it could work. Yeah. You have to have a different BBC culture in the 1970s to make it work, though, I think, ultimately, which uh, obviously did not happen, which is why we didn't have it. Exactly. But yes, I think we've sorted it out. <laughs> okay. If only we could go back in time and pitch this to BBC execs back in time, we'd have it made. They'd definitely go for it. Definitely go for it. Right. Okay. Thank you for listening to episode 183 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been plotting unit adventures with Ben. And I have been imagining William Shatner's Hamlet with David. (laughs) Until next time. Farewell. Farewell.